0: Welcome to Fat Guy, Jack Guy. I'm Steph Rubino.
1: And I'm Brendan Walsh.
0: Today on the podcast, we've got Catherine Bigelow fever. But before we get to that, we have a little
1: message for you. Please consider becoming a patron of Fat Guy, Jack Guy by going to patreon.com backslash fatguyjackguy. Our patrons get merch as well as weekly bonus content, including some bonus content that connects to these free episodes. Come on, folks.
0: That's right. $3 a month. Let's go. Enjoy the show. Back
1: Woo, can't break that. Catherine Bigelow (laughs) fever.
0: It's real, folks.
1: So this week, we did the hard labor of watching Catherine Bigelow's Iraq War, War on Terror (laughs) kind of, I guess it's like a (laughs) two-parter. double feature. The double feature. We watched The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty.
0: Yeah, we rewatched The Hurt Locker each of us. I have never seen it. Oh, you had it. never seen it, oh, I thought you did.
1: I went into these okay. absolutely fresh. Okay,
0: I saw both of these in the movie theater, but then I never watched them ever again until rightfully this weekend.
1: Rightfully so, <laughs> rightfully so. So we did this hard labor, and obviously the connection here is is to season two, We are recapping the cultural political phenomena of 2003 to 2013, which is, of course, a normal decade. Everyone (laughs) looks at decades in that way. (laughs) And these two films are really the epitome of kind of the hazy war on terror, Iraq war morality.
0: Yes. That's a good way to put it.
1: And I find them quite interesting. I do too. I'm excited to, to talk about this with you, my brother, even though we watched... Five hours of <laughs> sitting films. on your couch. Fuck, it was rough. It was
0: really hard. I feel like I was just sitting it's there good that sweating. We had those beers. Yeah,
1: we had we each had two beers because we're thirty five,
0: and, we <laughs> and we got a few jokes off.
1: Yeah, we did get some, a lot of laughs from these hilarious movies. Laugh-a-minute
0: this, just goof the films. most depressing films you'll ever see back-to-back.
1: Really, really rough stuff. So we'll start with The Hurt Locker because we are going chronologically. Yes. And then we'll move on to talk about ZDT. Yes. Zero Dark Thirty. The Hurt Locker was first publicly released in Italy. I don't know if you knew that, brother. I didn't
0: know that. On That's October 10th,
1: 2008, Summit Entertainment picked the film up for distribution in the U.S. for $1.5 mm-hmm. million dollars after it was shown at the Toronto International Film Festival. Hurt Locker was released in the United States on June twenty sixth, two thousand and nine. Just a great
0: summer blockbuster for the family—a
1: laugh a minute, <laughs> you know, something for <laughs> something for mom, something for the kids. This movie made quite a bit of money on a small budget of fifteen million dollars. that ended up grossing about fifty million dollars internationally. Wow. So this isn't like. These days, what we would consider to be a blockbuster, right. but this is a movie that for a relatively small film made its cash back. Yeah, it received widespread acclaim for the most part. It has a 97% yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes, the film review <laughs> aggregator, and it was the second highest rated film of 2009 behind Pixar's Up, which wow. arguably the second sadder. Isn't that wild? That was its
0: competition. It was yeah, up.
1: It was up um. versus Hurt Locker.
0: It also won three Academy Awards. Let's not Insane. forget for Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Original Screenplay. So it was highly. This was just movie. like its officers. It was a highly decorated. <laughs>
1: <film>. Sure. <laughs> yeah. What a segue.
0: <laughs> the Hurt Locker. IMDb one sentence synopsis goes like this. And honestly, this pretty much sums up the entire film. This is the first time, I think, in the history of this podcast where we've had a one sentence synopsis that was like good enough. It says, during the Iraq war, a sergeant recently assigned to an army bomb squad is put at odds with his squad mates due to his maverick way of handling his work.
1: Yeah, now that's That's true. That's pretty much it. That is 100% accurate. It stars
0: Jeremy Renner as the Maverick Sergeant James, Anthony Mackie as Sergeant Sanburn, and Brian Garrity as Specialist Owen Eldridge. And so Poor these Eldridge. are like the three guys that we are with for the entirety of the film, pretty much.
1: Yeah, really small crew. I don't know if that's accurate. I don't know if that's real life accurate.
0: Yeah, it's a very small bomb squad. But maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know any people who were in the bomb squad in the army. So nor I. (laughs) I mean, they definitely picked a very niche specialty. Well, it's not really niche because you need them. But it's they've picked a very particular specialty where I don't feel like there's that many people. In the units. Yeah. It couldn't be, right? Because this is a hard thing to teach people how to do, and it's also a hard thing to enlist people to do. Correct. Because you're diffusing bombs. Unless
1: you're Jeremy Renner.
0: Unless you're Jeremy Renner, right. Who is our, obsessed. He's obsessed with it. He's obsessed with it. So what did you think about The Hurt Locker Brother? It was your first time seeing it, so you didn't know what really what to expect.
1: Yeah. So this movie, I remember being critically acclaimed. I remember assuming, hey, this looks like a dusty, sandy, sad movie about a rock. And I did not want to engage, famously have a hard time watching movies that are sad unless I'm in an absolutely perfect state emotionally, (laughs) which is rare. So I never nutted up and watched this movie because it's. I felt it would be too sad. Now, upon watching it, it is not sad for the way in which I thought it was sad. Yeah. It certainly, just like Zero Dark Thirty, is a critique of the war on terror and the war in Iraq. Yes. But not a full-throated critique. No. Ultimately, the harm that is being done to Iraqis is almost exclusively by other Iraqis. <laughs> yes. Right? It's not the U.S. military there. They're these good-hearted guys, maybe they're a little bit racist, maybe they're a little bit uh, maverick, but ultimately they're there for the right reasons. I think we see that. We don't really see it until the end when it's revealed fairly clearly that Jeremy Renner's character is a fucking lunatic. Yes. And not like a good guy.
0: No, not at all.
1: They try for a moment to make him a good guy, but it's hard for me to believe that this is a good person. Yeah, he's not a good person (laughs) He's a fucking asshole.
0: Actually, I think that the the scenes where he is at home kind of solidify the fact that he is just a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit guy. Yeah. He has no interest in engaging with his family in like a way that a person should engage with their family. He just wants to talk about dead Iraqi people all yes. the time.
1: Yeah. It, it's clear that this is not a humanitarian thing. No. When he is, this is an iconic scene of the film, I remember people talking about this scene, when the man has a bomb strapped to him, mm-hmm. guess what guys, terrorists were strapping bombs to these to poor Iraqis, people, yeah. you know, and obviously this this happened, to the extent that the film portrays it, I, I don't <laughs> know, because it only seems like bombs happened because bad terrorists yes, did them, that's it. no Americans were doing no. any bombs, no. but... Or
0: the mercenaries from other countries. Oh my god, and the mercenaries,
1: those guys were treated like normal, I guess? I don't know. The man who has a bomb strapped to him and he's an Iraqi man, Jeremy Renner's character is supposed to defuse this bomb and save the man, and it's this moment to be a hero, and he can't do it. And you can see that Jeremy Renner's character is just totally distraught that he can't do it. You realize that he was distraught not because the guy, but because... Because he lost. Yeah, because he lost lost the the thing. He wanted to win the game Mm -hmm. of saving the guy. Really had nothing to do with the life at all. Not at all. This guy is a real piece of shit. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah, and the way that she makes him apologize in the film... He's just like, sorry, I can't do it. Sorry, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. It's not there's not like he's looking the guy in the eye with like some level of empathy. Yeah, like your life humanity. is about to end. Like, I'm so sorry. You know? yeah. It's not like that at all. It's like, sorry, I can't do it. Sorry, I can't do it. It's very yeah. quick and he runs away. Yeah. So yeah, I think actually you you know, you mentioned that these are definitely critical of the wars, but not in a full-throated way. I actually have a very controversial take. I don't think that either of the movies are saying anything useful about the realities of these wars. Hmm, Okay. I actually think that what Catherine Bigelow and the script writer, Mark Bull do is that they're not exactly critiquing the wars themselves. Like they're not exactly saying these were useless wars that should not have happened. I think not in, not in the direct way or even in a distinguishable indirect way, really. It's more that they're critiquing the conditions that make it possible for people to become obsessed with the circumstances that are created as a result of war and mass violence. And I think, like, the people who are involved in these things, they want to position themselves as heroes and risk-takers, but only because of ego and personal ambition. And I think that's why both of them are hyper-focused on individuals. Both The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty are hyper-focused on, like, individual actions, not on the actions of, like... A team or, like, a, a group or even, like, the entire United States, right? But just on these two particular individuals, in the case of, of Hurt Locker, it's the Sergeant James character who just gets off on the thrill of, like, diffusing these bombs.
1: Yeah. And he does it in a way that is totally inappropriate. Totally.
0: For... And does not care about anybody else's life. Putting
1: everybody in danger. absolutely. Of course the Iraqis, but also his team in a really big way. And I know that veterans had a problem with the Hurt Locker. One of my friends who I haven't talked to in a very long time because he um, became very terrifying. (laughs) Um, But a good guy that I grew up with, he really hated Hurt Locker. Because yeah. he was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like you, you wouldn't be allowed to do this. This guy wouldn't be allowed to continue after the first time he fucked up.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And
1: sure, he saves the day. He's a, what do they call him, like a wild man? Yeah. That one larger officer is like, you're a wild you're man. A wild man. Yeah. It's like, well, you don't want a wild man. A wild man is dangerous to have around. For everybody. <laughs> for, for the whole platoon. Everybody. Yeah, for everybody. He's th- an asshole.
0: I think also, like, the Hurt Locker... In that Sergeant James character does a really, really good job of showing us how, like, the U.S. military requires no form of emotional maturity or psychological excellence at all. They just give you a job. So in this case, the job is diffusing bombs. And they turn you into an expert in that field. And, like, in that way, Jeremy Renner's character then becomes an expert in doing this, like, very specialized thing that he has discovered now that he gets his, like, rocks off on doing this very specialized thing. And so there's no use for that skill when he gets home. Mm -hmm. And so he just becomes, like, obsessed with being in the field and, like, using that skill that he, that thing that he's good at and, like, basically having an adrenaline rush every single time he does it. Like, he gets hit with this, like, huge... like dopamine, adrenaline rush, and it's just him who can do it. So Mm -hmm. he's going to keep doing it for as long as he possibly can.
1: You you begin this film by getting that quote of like war is a drug, essentially. And I get that, and the movie does a very good job of showing us that, but back to your point of like, what is the critique here? What does that have to do with the realities of what the wars were. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. like there's that's nothing I'm to it. I
0: don't think that it's like I don't particularly think that the Hurt Locker or Zero Dark Thirty are great critiques of the wars themselves. I think actually it's like a critique of how violence and war operate in our culture. They become something that people want more of. Mm-hmm. So in the case of like this individual, he is a person who like he can he gets off on like the danger of the work that he's doing. So he wants to do it forever and it turns him into this John Wayne type of character who's just constantly like searching for the next thrill and like the next chance to almost die. And then he beats death. Right. So it's more like violence begets violence begets violence. Like the more of that violence, the more that we impose violence on like other people, the more that we want to be part of that violence. Like we literally see, we don't see the beginning of his It's not the same as Zero Dark Thirty because Zero Dark Thirty gives us a more more longitudinal view of how this actually happens here we're just kind of thrown into the middle of the situation where Jeremy Renner's character has already experienced that transition from like doing a job to like wanting more of this thing right where we see in Zero Dark Thirty Maya goes from like the very beginning to then that we follow her through her obsession Um, But for him, I think, yeah, it's just it's not a critique necessarily of the war or the realities of war, but more so like the violence that we perpetuate all the time.
1: Neither of the characters are complete. And when I was reading the reviews, people were like, but they just didn't give us complete characters. And the whole time as I'm reading these reviews, I think, well, that is the entire fucking point. Yeah, yeah, totally. Is that these are incomplete characters. They're not humans because, as you said, they've been specialized yeah. to a point They're where...
0: They're just robots. Yeah
1: they, yeah, they are performing a function out of ego, out of vengeance, out of mm-hmm. service duty whatever, but they are not humans. No,
0: they're they're, not.
1: they're like straight up awful robot yeah. like cold
0: that have been turned into that.
1: They're neither good nor bad. They are just a neutral arm of a military industrial complex. Yes.
0: And I guess you could say that that is the critique of war, right? Like it's saying that what war does is it turns people into these like weird robotic characters who just want to do this job and they don't, they're not really thinking about like the morality of their job. And oftentimes, actually, it's beyond that that they are thinking about the morality of their job, but they don't really give a shit because they like doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like Jeremy Renner's character in a nutshell. So I think like that, you could say that that is the, but that could apply to literally. Any war, any job where you're put into these circumstances. So, again, that's why I go back to the... I don't know if it's a critique of the war in Iraq itself. Like, I think it's just commenting on, like, the way that Americans engage with war in the first place.
1: Yeah, I would say the Hurt Locker isn't big enough. To do a critique yeah. of the war itself. Zero Dark Thirty certainly is big enough. It's it fucking is. three hours long. Yeah, it but,
0: is. But I'd argue that it also... Follow, but we can talk about yeah. that in a bit.
1: But The Hurt Locker is ultimately a film about... I think it's a film about waste. I think both of these are films well, about waste. Well, they definitely waste. are. Every time you see a massive act of violence, my first instinct was, this is a fucking waste. Yes. I cannot believe that. (laughs) Listen, I'm not going to defend uh, Saddam Hussein. That's (laughs) what we're doing. But this was a country that was moderately developed to develop, you know, almost more developed. And all of the scenes are desolate wastelands. Yeah. This was the reality of going to war with a country that had significant infrastructure. Yeah. And now what we have is just fucking guys. Taking apart bombs Mm -hmm. in the middle of the street, looking at like horrific scenes of dead bodies and dead kids. What a fucking waste of life and potential and all of these things for nothing. Right. That's what the Hurt Locker and Zero Dark 30, they're too small to even though Zero Dark 30 tries to go like higher up the ranks. Ultimately, what you have is people performing a job. Mm -hmm. And at our jobs, we often feel like we are just tools to accomplish a task. And they are tools accomplishing a task. But the task is the task of colonization and destruction <laughs> fucking murder.
0: Yeah.
1: That's awful. Yeah. And is the... I don't know if the and film does a great a job, job of showing us yeah. that. I, okay, it shows us that. It doesn't do a great job of guiding us.
0: Right, it doesn't. That And that's another... That's, a, that's the biggest part of it, I think.
1: That's what terrified me about that, both of these yeah. movies is I... It's the I call this the Sopranos effect. I'm, you know. <laughs> Int-
0: yes, the intentional ambiguity.
1: The problem is more than seventy-five percent of the American viewing mm-hmm. audience will watch the Sopranos and go, "Whoa, Tony's a badass." Yes. That Same is for a fucking, the Hurt Locker. Yes, they'll go, "Wow, yes. Jeremy Renner's character. I can't believe he's so brave. Yes. What a what a valorous individual yes. that is." No, he's a fucking bad guy.
0: Yeah.
1: The the Navy SEALs in Zero Dark Thirty are definitely bad guys. Yes. They're jerks. They're assholes. They're just killing ladies. Yeah. Like,
0: and honestly, Maya's a jerk and an asshole. Yes, she but, is. I mean, you know, she doesn't start out that way, but she certainly gets. To that But at point. least she's
1: empty at the end.
0: Yes. Which okay, we'll talk about that in a second. But like, yeah, that that intentional ambiguity. Listen, I just want to be clear for everybody. I love nuance. I love nuance. I love when a film is intentionally ambiguous. I just think that a a film about some about a situation that we should not be intentionally ambiguous about is not a good place to put that ambiguity and again yeah as you pointed out in the beginning of this conversation it is about like the haziness of the morality of war i think that that is definitely playing a role in the decisions that bigelow and bull made when they were writing these films but i think like it's it's a problem that the point of the hurt locker or like the the politics of the hurt locker don't really get crystallized or like solidified until the very end scene and at that point i feel like as you pointed out 75% 75% of the American viewing audience is like too revved up to fully understand what is happening in that scene and like what they're trying to do. So just I'll just describe the scene. Sure. A little bit so like in the fi- in the final scene of The Hurt Locker, Sergeant James is like walking into another bomb-filled location after we we have to we're supposed to presume that he signed up for another tour of Iraq, right? And in the background, a song by Ministry is playing. It's called Khyber Pass, which is named after the place where Osama bin Laden was supposedly sure. living. And the lyrics of Kyber Pass are very short, so I'm just going to read them because I think it, the song playing during the scene is essential to understanding what they're trying to say about Sergeant James. But the song goes like this, where's bin Laden? Where's bin Laden? He's probably running, probably hiding. Some say he's living at the Khyber Pass. Others say he's at the Bush's ranch. Hmm. And like, if you consider this scene with the movies tagline, War is a Drug... I think it's easy to see Kath- what Catherine Bigelow and-, and Mark Bull were trying to do. Just, They're just trying to imply that Sergeant James doesn't give a shit about people who are, like, impacted by these bombs or even the U.S. or the military or the government. And he's he's not addicted to the thrill of being a hero, but he's addicted to the fact that he's one in a small group of people who could do this highly specialized job without blowing himself up he beats death every single time and he's only one person out of a small group of people that is very successful at mm-hmm. this and i think that only gets solidified in those final scenes and then, like i said by that final scene everybody's too revved up
1: <laughs> thinking yeah. about
0: this guy as a badass that, to like fully get it to fully absorb the sarcasm of that scene like that scene is Highly sarcastic, yes. the way he's smiling, walking into the bomb-filled location in Baghdad, wherever, where I don't know, it doesn't say, like, the street or no, anything, but, but, you know, he's smiling as he's walking, and he's kind of marching in his suit with his arms out wide, and I just think, like a toy soldier would, yep. and it's just, like, obviously sarcastic, but I could totally see people saying, wow, he's fucking doing it again, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a problem.
1: Yeah, that is a problem. <laughs> I think the period in which these films were both made, Hurt Locker premiered 2008 in Italy, so this film was done by 2008. At that moment, it was not so cut and dried as as it is now. Yeah,
0: I think that's probably So people (laughs) viewed this
1: as sort of a morally ambiguous... People were tired of it. Part of the reason that Barack Obama became president is because he was able to reasonably criticize those people who... Voted for the war in Iraq, war on terror, whatever. Right? Yeah. He wasn't in uh, office or Congress or Senate at that point, so yeah. he could just say, "Oh, well, you guys did it, and I didn't do it." Yeah. I think that was like reasonably why Barack Obama. Like, I think so. Yeah. One of the reasons because he could yeah. criticize it from Absolutely. a distance. However,
0: while also like bombing everybody in yeah, sight. Yeah, of course. you know, because <laughs> <It's> he. <fine. laughs>
1: yeah. It, it was easy enough Keep because he wasn't. critiquing, but then bomb Yemen a, a million billion times. Sure. Now two thousand eight people are like, Yeah, the war, but maybe weapons of mass destruction. Hey, <laughs> Osama's still out yeah. there. Oh, there are a lot of terrorism things going yeah. on.
0: And don't forget the IED threat or the the you know, the bombs that they're trying to defuse, that was like a real thing. That's of this is based on a real thing. So yeah. that was a huge news story, so they kind of like latched onto that. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, I didn't
1: mean to interrupt you, but. Honestly, I don't even remember what I was saying. But remember that. (laughs) (laughs) The the time period. Yeah, this time period, there was ambiguity around the war on terror, the war in Iraq, for many people. Yeah. So to have this film presented throughout as ambiguous, as sort of nearly journalistic. Appealed to a lot of people at Mm -hmm. the time. I think they're just like, hey, this is what it's like there. This is what it's like to be a soldier. Even though many soldiers will tell you this is not Not at all what it was like. But for for people who wanted to kind of see what it's like, hey, it's fucking sandy. It's scary. (laughs) It's quiet. There's
0: bombs. There's
1: bombs. There's (laughs) kids. There's brown people. Like, this is what they wanted to see. And so I can understand why they were attracted to it. Even though... Honestly, I don't think it's, like, that good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't okay. think it's that good. I don't
0: – I also don't think it's that good. I think, you know, in my letterbox, I gave it a two and a half stars Ooh, out of five. Oh, shit. I don't think it's that good. I, and I also think that, yes, it especially in 2023, it suffers under the weight of that audience problem. It really does. Maybe – I can't remember what I thought of it in 2009. I probably thought, damn, this is like anti-war as fuck because that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, like that is my my positionality. Is war is is bad? War and is I garbage. Do think
1: objectively, it is anti-war, right?
0: But I, I I think it does. Again, like I said, it suffers under the weight of that audience problem. Like you can't you can't present certain things. Certain things just can't be presented as morally ambiguous. Mm-hmm. You can't, especially if you're going to show the violence of it, which like people in the audience are going to get off on no matter, you know, it's not worth the risk to be ambiguous in this case. It's really not. And I don't know. I, you know, that we've, you and I have both separately looked at some reaction to the film and mostly just reaction from veterans who say, yeah, this shit sucks. And yeah. it's like not good. Um, but people also fucking loved it.
1: People really loved this And they this movie. praised it
0: for its like objectivity, quote unquote, yes. which like, That's not something I'm ever going to praise a war film for. So, I don't know.
1: Let me tell you a couple things of why this is not (laughs) objective in certain ways. Especially in the... Not glorification. The ways in which you can pornographically look yes. at the deaths of brown people and be really sad about the deaths of white people. Yeah. This starts, guys. This is all spoilers. This starts with the death yeah. of Guy Ritchie's character. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Yeah. Guy Ritchie's the, <laughs> the other guy. <laughs> wrong you know, British the guy. The other guy. The other guy. Two this British guys with, walk into a room named Guy. The guy's death. <laughs> all right. And that is like a intensely dramatic scene that's the opener you're supposed to be like oh shit Americans are dying over there not the many other brown people who are being killed by these bombs and you also have a scene meant to be the roughest scene in the film Mm -hmm. very clearly where Jeremy Renner takes a bomb out of the dead body of a child yeah he opens up the dead body of a kid and takes a bomb out this is, like, nearly pornographic. And as you said, people love this movie. That was a time in the theater I'm sure people were like, oh, ho, ho. like, yeah. they were, like, treating it like it was a horror movie. Yeah. Whereas the the guy, Pierce Death, Pierce, <laughs> was yeah. like, oh, my gosh, no.
0: Well, also, the guy, Pierce Death, is given uh, a lot of pathos because then the characters, the Anthony Matthew, Mackie character and the Brian Garrity character, so Sanborn and Eldridge, are intensely impacted by the death of Guy Pierce's character. Sure. Like, that changes them forever. You know, obviously. It would. Anybody. If your friend died in the line of duty, it would change you. But yeah, it, like, it, it impacts them in a way that they can't even wrap their heads around the fact that they're going to have another member of their team. Like, they're going to have another person join their team after that. Yeah. So we're supposed to, like, feel for Sanborn and Eldridge and be like, oh, like, these two guys, they can't adjust Mm -hmm. to their fact that their friend is dead and they have to, like, deal with this new guy. But then we're not given the same amount of time to, like, consider the deaths of the person who blows up because of the vest
1: or the kid. No, he was a prop.
0: Yeah, it's just, like, very quick, you know. And I'm not here. Listen, guys, I'm not saying (laughs) that we should not show the realities of shit. I just think that if we're going to show the realities of shit, we need to be very clear about why we're doing it. And I don't think that it is here. Like, I don't think that this is the case of a place where, yeah, we're showing this really bad thing that happens because we are saying this very definitive thing about it. Mm -hmm. And that is to me kind of dangerous.
1: When the kid has the bomb stitched inside of the dead body that is not a result of American war crimes. Right. That is a result of terrorists right. doing terrorist right. things. What it fails to acknowledge is that the reason that people were able to do things like that is because, because of the of invasion. Amer- yeah, exactly. It, so that, there's a major loss here. I mean, it's a reaction here.
0: to the invasion. I mm-hmm. mean, they, you can't, we can't sit back and say terrorists become terrorists out of nowhere. That's not how this shit works. And they become terrorists as a response. Yes, we know that. Yeah. But I don't know how many people are thinking of that course, as they're watching no. this war film as entertainment.
1: It's uh, s- scary Muslims and sweet Muslims. Like that, <laughs> that's that, that's, that's, what, that's what we got. That's what
0: it really comes down to. And I do think actually there is one. Uh, well, let me give her. Uh, let me give Bigelow and Bowl. I also love that. That's their names. Bigelow Big and Bowl. Let me give them a little credit. One of the scenes that is really effective and impactful or was to me in this like rewatch of the film I don't remember how I felt originally but one of the scenes that is really impactful is when Jeremy Renner goes to what he thinks is the kid's family's house yeah. it turns out it's not but he goes to what he thinks is the kid's family's house and the per- he invades the house first of all he like breaks, breaks in <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's just holding his gun out like he's gonna shoot whoever comes his way he Goes into the kitchen and there's a man in the kitchen who's like making tea, it seems like. And the man is really nice to him. It's, you know, it's an Iraqi guy. He's really nice to Jeremy Renner's character. And he's just kind of like, I'm a professor. Like, I'm glad that you're here. I'm a professor. I'm glad to take a seat. And the confusion in Jeremy Renner's character's face, this is probably like the best acting of Jeremy Renner's career, (laughs) is like he doesn't know if he can like trust that this guy is for real or not. And I'm sure that that, for on both sides, is, you know, on the side of the Iraqi people and on the side of the American people who were there, I'm sure that that was a reality for both sides. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're going to attack me or not. I don't know if you're going to attack me or not. And, like, that scene is, like, successfully played out, but that's probably, like, the only one that is showing that murkiness that everybody had to live in in Baghdad, like, together yeah, you know? it's a
1: kind of ambiguity that... It's not a moral ambiguity. It's another kind of ambiguity. No, yeah. It's just the... It captures the precarity very well... Yeah, of... of two normal people. Because ultimately, Jerry Ren- 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 Renner's character is a normal guy. Yeah. Right? And this Iraqi man is a normal, normal Iraqi guy. man.
0: But they don't know the intentions of the other.
1: Yes, which is like the whole fucked up thing right, about war exactly. is that some asshole decided that we're going to do this and now, now everybody's here, I'm in. Now i are here and
0: doing it. Yeah. And that's the thing and that that is why I think that that particular scene is very successful. It's just that it that is one scene, you know? Yeah. And it you can forget it very quickly because then next we're next is the scene where they go to where they go at night to there's that big bomb that is exploded oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they go on like a maverick mission yeah. to like look for the guys who exploded the bomb. Yeah. So you're like immediately thrust back into like the violence of the of everything. So you can easily forget that scene if you aren't thinking about it too hard. But I thought that that scene was was masterfully done. I just wish that like the whole movie was that scene.
1: <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah. I mean?
0: Like that would have been great.
1: The whole the whole thing about war movies being action movies is really interesting yes. because. It seems so degrading to the actual thing to make it an action movie. Hey, we love action movies.
0: Yeah, I do. But I want them to be fake.
1: Yes, I want them to be fucking crazy. (laughs) And although The Hurt Locker is fake in many ways, it also is drawing so much from that reality and attempting to display to, for many people, what is that reality, the signifier of that reality pretty fucked up should we talk about, zero dark yeah, 30? Let's talk
0: about zero dark 30 all right
1: so zdt as i like to call it <laughs> zdt i've been calling it for that for a by long time by the way everybody
0: now, zero dark 30 is twelve thirty a.m that's what the military calls it <laughs> yeah
1: it's uh
0: they need a code for that
1: you it's know? a lot it's a lot this the zero dark 30 <laughs> it premiered on december 19th 2012 and made a shit ton of money. Yeah, folks. this one was
0: like the money maker.
1: Bin Laden was killed in 2011 yes. and this movie came out <laughs> really quickly after that. It's actually So quick. The beginning of filming happened before the death of Bin Laden, so the ending is kind of something that was retrofitted mm-hmm. to the to the whole situation. Oh,
0: I didn't know that. That makes a lot of sense yeah. actually.
1: Okay. Yeah, on a budget of 40 to 50 milli ZDT earned a worldwide box office total of $132 million, which, you know, made some cash. On Rotten Tomatoes, the film has an approval rating of 91%. It has a Metacritic score of 95 out of 100. It's like one of the highest Metacritic scores I've ever heard of. It is like one of those films that, at the time, universally well regarded. However incredibly controversial yes you can still read oh, yes. articles about that controversy now mm-hmm. i think that okay the controversy is warranted because we should be talking yes. about this kind of film i think this one is way more apparently an anti-war film than the hurt locker is
0: yes but i think it's more apparently an anti-war film because it's not really a war film
1: it's not a war film. It's a procedural. It's a police procedural. Yeah, it's a procedural. Yes. And
0: I say police because the CIA are like the world yeah, police. Yeah, they're just world much. police. Um, but here's the, the, the IMDb one-sentence synopsis. Zero Dark Thirty is a chronicle of the decade-long hunt for al-Qaeda terrorist Osama bin Laden after the September 2001 attacks and his death at the hands of the Navy SEALs Team Six in May 2011. And that does not give you as much as the Hurt Locker one-sentence synopsis. This is really about Jessica Chastain's character, who's a CIA agent who is recruited to the CIA directly out of college. She is assigned, she's sent to the U.S. Embassy in Pakistan, and she immediately is sent to like these black sites where they're torturing suspects who they think have information about where Osama bin Laden is. And it shows basically her journey from like that start to eventually figuring out where Osama Bin Laden had been living for that whole decade.
1: Yeah, the first scene pretty much is a scene of torture. Yes. I remember hearing about the torture. That's
0: horrifying.
1: That was the controversy was that do these enhanced interrogation techniques. I'm doing quotation marks, folks. It's fucking torture. Do these yield results? And this movie controversy came from, well, it appears that they yield results. So torture right. yields. Is the movie saying that torture gives us results?
0: Yes. Yeah, some people critique this film as being like torture apologia, where it was like, oh, yes, like, of course, like in the beginning, they didn't really get results. But then eventually, they do start getting results from these people who they're torturing. And so that shows that maybe it doesn't work every single time, but it works sometimes, and it's worth it, right? And then, yeah, there are other people on the other side. I do remember more vividly when this came out that there are other people on the other side saying, no, this is trying to show you, like, the horrors of torture, that it doesn't actually work, that, and that's why it ends the way it ends, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like, again, there's that ambiguity there, I guess, that, like, some people interpreted it one way and other people interpreted it another way.
1: I just think if you show this torture in the way that they showed it, it's hard to believe that this movie was like, "Guess what, folks? Tor- I know we I don't agree. love torture, but here I it agree. is working." It clearly doesn't work I agree. because it took ten years. <laughs> like, I agree. It is so disgusting. Like yes. The torture that you see. They're doing it straight up. They're showing you what waterboarding looks like. If you ever thought, hey, what does waterboarding look like? Watch Zero Dark Thirty. You can see it up
0: close and personal.
1: Fucking horrible, terrifying, and honestly does a great job of humanizing the people being tortured, which I think most Americans didn't see. They saw scary terrorists, scary brown guys. When you see a guy getting tortured, you're like, that's a person. What the fuck are you doing? Like, I don't care who that person is.
0: The problem is... (laughs) That I think we're coming from it, we're coming at it with, again, that positionality where it's like, it's unacceptable to treat human beings like this.
1: Mm, a, a, a controversial take.
0: Controversial take in 2011, I guess. Or, to the, or, you know, that whole decade. It actually, it was a controversial take that whole it was. decade. Because that was our whole conversation. <laughs> from 2001 to 2011, our whole conversation was, is it okay to be torturing these people at Guantanamo Bay? And then there was the Abu Ghraib controversy where it was like, shocking even though this had been talked about so much, it was shocking for people to see these photos. They were like, "Oh, that's what they're doing." Yeah. Okay, that's bad. But like, we've been talking about it for five years already, or, whatever, or however long it was. Yeah. Like, what do you so think what torture you think is? You yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> like, did you think it was like fun and you think they were just like playing music that they hated? Like, yeah. that's not. I mean, they did do that, but they like, did do that. that's not just like the extent of it. It was extremely violent.
1: It's also interesting the juxtaposition of suited CIA people versus what the CIA actually does, which is disgusting.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's the purpose of that beginning with Jessica Chastain and... What's his... I forget that guy. His his character's name is Dan.
1: Yeah, that guy is... They don't
0: give anybody any fucking last names, by the way, in this film. Honestly,
1: he has, like, one of the best performances in the film. Like, Jessica Chastain is good, but I think he's amazing. He's ruthless. Yeah, he's an awful person. And he just... He does it... And it's clear that he is enjoying this. Yeah. And it's not clear that he actually gives a fuck about what he's doing at all. He's yeah. just really taking so much pleasure in this st- sadistic shit.
0: But then... This, see, this is... Again, like... <laughs> the shit... I understand, like... Again, I understand nuance. I just want to put that out there. But then they have his character have a moment where he's like... I think this shit is ruining me. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, didn't you just show us this character reveling? Yeah. He in this really shit?
1: enjoyed it.
0: So it's like such a confusing, emotional roller coaster with that character. And with all the characters in this movie, really, because yes, they show him like reveling in it at one moment. And then the next moment he's like, wait, no, this is like changing me as a person and I got to stop doing it. And it's like, no, you're already changed. Yeah. Because you like this. Yeah, I don't know how to, like, place that. You know what I'm saying? Like, he does such a good job, but then... Like, they do such a good job with that character, but then they kind of upend it. Which they kind of do with all the characters, including Jessica Chastain's character, Maya. Mm -hmm. Where, in the beginning, she's super reluctant. She doesn't think torture is good. She's clearly uncomfortable. And then, there's, like, a turn in her character where she's like, I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want to make sure I get the information I need.
1: Yeah, and I... as a watcher of the film... As a watcher. As, as a person as a who is watching it, I, I realized how absurd the premise of this one person being like, I need to get revenge because of right. this individual thing yes. was. But I guess people could view this as a vengeance story. It, to me, that part had nothing to do with anything. Like, the procedural was enough to carry the film. We don't need the Jessica Chastain... Is
0: girl boss? Yeah,
1: she girl bosses so hard. <laughs> she in She literally film. girl
0: boss Osama bin Laden to death.
1: She did.
0: <laughs> like she really did.
1: And it was oh, because oh, her friend was killed in in this base bombing.
0: But it's it's before that. I think that that's part of like the magic of the film, right? Or like not quote unquote like magic. I don't mean it like in a real way, but like you know that's part of the thing of like the movie magic is that it's showing us how she's completely transformed from like this person who was just like assigned to this task that she didn't really want to do. Right. But then she gets into the system into like this very carceral system, this carceral in the sense that it they are actively pursuing like punitive justice in a sense. That's the whole thing. But also carceral, in like your mindset, like you deserve this punitive justice. Like you deserve to be punished for, for what you're doing for the information you're withholding. And she just like gets absorbed into that. And it's even before her friend's death that she wants to like see the end of the road. But then after Jessica dies, her the friend's name is Jessica in the film. Yeah. Then after Jessica dies, she's like, I'm gonna fucking, get, you know what I mean? Like now she's like r- really riled up. Like it all kind of comes into clear vision for her.
1: Yeah. To me, that part just seems so goofy because yeah. it. That's not how it works. I think no. that these people are cold. I don't think that it no, was.
0: No, I don't think that they that was. They tried to
1: imbue emotions to a thing that was just a job. Like, yes. This is a person's job. They do a great job of showing us meetings and boring job stuff. Oh, yeah. It's so just much cubicle life. Yeah. Jessica Chastain never fires a gun. This no. is just people doing their laptop jobs <laughs> yeah. from Pakistan. Yeah.
0: And then sometimes going and inter- interrogating people.
1: Sure. Beating the shit out of and then of having doing other soldiers kind of beat the
0: shit out of yeah
1: yeah but other than that I don't I don't think that it needed that emotional pop of vengeance I don't think that this was it a didn't. vengeance at all it didn't the the vengeance aspect is the fact that the United States needed to kill Osama bin Laden yeah. The vengeance of an entire nation. So I guess maybe Jessica Chastain is representative. Yeah, representative of the. I do think
0: that that was the attempt, but it becomes too focused on her, like, on her. She, I think she does start as this representative of like the U.S. right, or like the American people. Mm -hmm. But then it's like her particular tenacity (laughs) that kind of like moves her away from that representation.
1: It doesn't follow the trajectory of the United States, because I think that by the time Osama bin Laden was killed, pretty much everyone was like, enough. Like, we're getting very tired of this whole war on terror situation.
0: I want to say that's true. Weary. But not yeah, tired, wary, Not tired, wary, not, wary yeah, of it. it. Yeah, they are definitely wary And she
1: just, her vigilance increased while the country, and right. it, this is reflected in some of the political Stuff scenes of the film, the film. Yeah, where people are saying, hey, the president (laughs) doesn't really want to do this like let's chill and she just continues so it starts with her kind of wary of it and then she becomes all on board by the time that everyone in the country is like all right this is enough we haven't thought about Osama bin Laden in years (laughs) he's not a thing anymore the guy even says that he's like he's a non-entity he's a
0: non-entity yeah yeah, we're not worried about him because the terrorist cells, like, govern themselves or whatever. That's yeah. what they were saying yeah, in the Yeah,
1: the, the concept that killing Osama bin Laden would do anything is absurd. I mean, it
0: didn't do anything.
1: No, of course not. That's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, that's why she fucking cries at the end. All right,
1: let's talk about the final scene. So the <laughs> final scene is the scene that everybody talked about. And honestly, I thought this movie was about that scene. It's not about that scene. No. It's about... I guess the woman realizing, Jessica Chastain, that, that this was useless. But yes. We have the SEAL Team 6 scene. This was, of course, what everybody was talking about, how cool SEAL Team 6 is. This movie does a great job of showing you... That they suck. That they're assholes because Navy yes. SEALs are unequivocally douchebags.
0: <laughs> well, they show us... They give us that scene. They, give us, they let us get to know them a little bit, and they're just, like, douchey guys. They're
1: not nice guys. They're no. jocks. Yeah, they're, they're jocks that are... Guess what? They're very good at what they do. Unfortunately, that skill set is killing. And I, hey, your guys are great at killing, and I'm sure you're good at, like, running your...
0: I love how you're pretending, like, I'm yeah, SEALs. We have
1: a Navy SEALs that listen. You got, you're great at running your, like, pre-workout protein business that every single Navy SEAL starts, where it's like the SEAL fit yeah. protein. But, like, the skill set is used for murder, yes. and this movie does display that they've They kill people well, but they kill a lot of people. They kill
0: everyone. There were a ton of bodies left behind.
1: (laughs) This was not just killing Osama bin Laden; it was just and a
0: couple of women.
1: For the Patreon extra, I have some interesting reviews written by IMDb
0: uh, reviewers. But
1: the final scene is the infiltration of the compound
0: where Osama bin Laden is supposedly living. And so... Once again, we have no proof... They have no they have proof, no of this. proof. <laughs> They are
1: on board. They're like, hey, we'll do and it. And
0: nobody's ever seen this man in person.
1: That's doesn't not matter. That. It doesn't
0: matter. We don't yeah. know who
1: the, the guy is, so yeah. we're going to go in there and There's kill everybody in there. there. Yeah. So they go in, they bring their special little helicopters. A,
0: one of them crashes. One of them crashes. <laughs> just, just a big fuck-up. <laughs> just a huge fuck-up.
1: And then they go through with their actions of killing people. A lot of bodies in the process. Killing some wives. Yes. No kids are killed, but plenty of other people besides Osama bin Laden are killed. Throughout, they are making comments that I'm sure are the kinds of comments that this person would make. Yeah, like for instance, after they killed one of these women, just fucking killed her. Yeah, the guy, Chris Pratt's character, says, "Oh, that's going to be a mess."
0: Yeah, that's all he says. Fucking killed a a person. person. Yeah,
1: I understand that. That's what you have to do. You just have messy. to dehumanize the people that yeah. you kill because that's your job. Yeah, but like I mean, it's like
0: that Black Mirror episode. <laughs> yeah,
1: like that's really fucked up. Yeah, it's really it's fucked like, up. It's like oh fuck. And it, and he was called the man a racial slur before that, but I don't yeah. remember what he said. But uh. you know, it it does a great job of showing you that these Navy SEALs who were so respected and deemed these amazing. Yeah. American killing machines. Yes, they are amazing American killing machines, but they're also douchebags. They're
0: just like Jeremy Renner's character. Yeah, they're the same guy.
1: They're assholes. Yeah,
0: they're actually the same guy.
1: <laughs> they really are.
0: And it's just that they're specialized for this one job, and that one—that special skill is can only be used in one place, which is war. Yep. And that's it.
1: And that kind of sucks because I'm sure these guys could be cool. At, I guess. You know, if they yeah. Weren't trained to Maybe. be killers. I don't
0: know. <laughs> I mean, they did choose to enlist in the army. This is true.
1: This is true. And the, I
0: mean sorry, the navy. Yeah. So yeah, that the the final scene is is the raid on the compound and then they presumably kill Osama bin Laden. And they
1: bring the body but they, they throw bring, the body in the fucking helicopter. They just throw it in there. Yeah.
0: And they bring it back to the base where they're staying in Pakistan and Jessica Chastain's character Maya comes in to identify the body of Osama bin Laden, a man she has never seen before in real life. Yep. And she tells him that it is him.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I guess she knows. (laughs) She
0: knows. And then she walks out. She walks out. The next thing we see is she's boarding a plane, like a car, like a, it's not like a cargo plane, but it's it's like, like, it's
1: a Navy. Yeah. It's like a transport plane. Transport plane. Yeah.
0: (laughs) She is about to board the plane. And the pilot's like, Oh, you're the only person on the manifest. Where do you want to go? She doesn't say anything. She straps herself in, and then it's a close-up of her face, and she's just sobbing. Mm -hmm. Like, it starts as a slow cry, and then it kind of progresses into, like, she's, like, clearly upset.
1: Yeah. To go to the ambiguity aspect, for me, it would be hard to interpret it any other way, but I'm sure that people interpret that as, like, oh, this overwhelming emotion because the mission is accomplished rather than the overwhelming emptiness to realize that the thing that you have devoted your entire life to is over and nothing was accomplished you killed an old guy you've a
0: decade of your life yeah to nothing.
1: A guy is dead. All th- Hundreds of thousands of people are, are dead, dead around the world because of this. Your friends. Thing. Your friends are, are dead. <laughs> and now you gotta go live your actual yep, life. You gotta
0: go back. to That has nothing Washington, to do with this. Yeah.
1: Truly yeah. a miserable ending and a great way it's... to end my Friday night with <laughs> you, brother.
0: <laughs> yeah. I left his house right after that. That made
1: so it easier to we didn't even go talk, to bed. We
0: didn't even talk about it. I just, yeah, I think. I want to, I so badly, like, want. you know, I see it, I'm interpreting it as, yes, she saw that everything she's done is, like, empty and devoid of actual meaning. Like, that's how I'm, interp- I think that's how we're supposed to interpret it. Definitely. I so badly want to interpret it as, like, something even bigger than that. But I know that it, I, I just know that it's not, you know, like, I want, I want it to be beyond her, like, realizing that this thing that she's been working for is ultimately meaningless, I I want to interpret it as, like, she can see that she's been sucked into, like, this conspiracy of, like, our carceral landscape, you mm-hmm. know? I know that that's not how it is, but I, I wish that that was what it was, you know, because I think that this film just shows the extent of what happens when you are sucked into, like, this... into, like, our war-loving, violence-loving system that just wants to punish, 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 punish all the time. In this case, punish a person who has, like, blighted an entire nation, you know? Yeah. But I know that it's not bigger than that. I know we're just supposed to know she feels empty in doing this. But I want so badly for Bigelow and Bull to, like, go further than that. You yeah,
1: know? They, I don't think that they felt comfortable making the Me neither. Ma- They're They're comfortable displaying to us that individuals are affected by these massive events yeah. and they get caught up in these massive events and they do alter people's lives and destroy people's yeah. lives but they don't want to deal with the scope of that which is totally. fair because it's these are fair. like, this is, like how could you possibly yeah. detail the scope of that? Yeah, I think that there may be a ways to do that but they're definitely more interested in the individual characters right. specifically the individual American characters because yes. they're American filmmakers or whatever, yeah. right? But yeah, overall I, I I appreciated ZDT more.
0: Yeah, technically it is a better film. Also the tension in, in ZDT is Yeah amazing. And I mean
1: more interesting. You have so many side plots. It is a movie about meetings. Yes. But you know There could whatever. have been a lot of emails. I will say that Cute
0: email classified things, I guess.
1: This movie <laughs> really loves snacks.
0: Oh yeah, this this is a snack. This movie. is a
1: snack lovers film. <laughs> They were always eating and drinking in this film. They're always having a a little snack.
0: You won't hear that in any other critique of this film. (laughs) Besides on Fat Guy Jack Guy podcast. We noticed the snacks, Catherine. The whole
1: time. They're just eat little M&M's. M&Ms oh, almonds, they, peanut
0: butter, and jelly. The
1: man that they brutally torture, they take him out, they have a little hummus, yeah, they a little like pita, a full
0: on like lunch with him. Oh,
1: that lunch looked fantastic, it did, too, and he enjoyed it. No,
0: I, I mean, he deserved way more yeah. than that. <laughs> he deserved to be free, probably.
1: But it, it was nice that he got a little treat. <laughs> Um, she's eating a burger at one point.
0: Yeah, she's eating a burger at one point. We got there's a lot of people drinking a lot of water because they're oh, in the yeah. desert. Lot, oh, she
1: loves water scenes. People yes. just chugging water. She loves water. She scenes. really wants to demonstrate she that. Loves water and scenes. in the Hurt Locker, apparently, because they were filming in Jordan, they were very dehydrated were, and uncomfortable. Yeah, so they had
0: to actually do that. Yeah, they had to actually do that. So yeah, I, I yeah, I don't, this, yeah, these.
1: <laughs> so overwhelmed. Uh, I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> these.
0: I just, you know, I think somebody should do a wellness check on Catherine Bigelow and just yeah. see how she's doing. But yeah, these are like miserable films.
1: Absolutely miserable. They're miserable. I would say if you're going to watch a film about the Iraq war, or the war on terror, it's definitely ZDT. Yeah. Because it gives you so much more yeah. than The Hurt Locker. I don't think The Hurt Locker holds up as a film that will teach younger people about this moment
0: yeah i just worry too again because i don't think we're past that like you know i don't think that we're past that celebratory because of like celebratory of osama bin laden's death stage in our history Mm -hmm. even though it's been 12 years i I worry that some people are going to look at it again as like rah rah we did the thing
1: yeah, that is possible, and
0: it just like makes <sighs> you can't again, save those people. I know you can't save them. I know, <laughs> I know. And I was telling you, I was telling you, like I heard, I had heard this critique of *All Quiet on the Rest* on the Western Front. This German guy who was quoting Truffaut, Francois Truffaut, the French filmmaker, famously, Francois Truffaut said, like. There's no such thing as an anti-war film because essentially, like, if you're showing the horrors of war, there are going to be people who are like cheering on those horrors. True. Not everybody's going to see it as a horror, mm-hmm. right? Like, you people like you and me are going to see it as a horror, and like other people are not going to see it that way. And watching, and you know, I as just as a person, I've, I'm am generally resistant to war films because I think they're very they're a little too bleak for me. I understand. i I know what the realities of war are i've never experienced them i don't have family who have experienced them who are alive anymore but i know what they are i don't really need to have that like reiterated a hundred times over yeah we know war is bad i just yeah i just don't like i don't i'm not a person who like seeks out war films but i was never like against war films existing and i'm still like not against it but i i see what Truffaut is getting at like when I was watching those movies, I imagined the people who had the opposite view as me. Yeah. And it scared the shit out of me. Yep. It made me, like, very upset because how can you, like, watch this? As you said, how can you watch this film that is ultimately, like, these films that are ultimately showing this, like, massive waste of human life, of time, of resources, etc. And you're like, yeah, okay, that's good. It's good we did that. Yeah. It's crazy to me. It would be insane.
1: And I think this movie does a good job of showing us the waste. They do it more explicitly in ZDT. For instance, when the guy is taken out, the sheik is taken out to purchase a Lamborghini. Oh, that
0: scene is crazy. As like
1: a bribery. And it's just a thing that we can assume happens often with CIA dark money.
0: Yes, totally. Totally. I just think, again, you know, these are very... Nuanced, thoughtful pieces of cinema—they are. I think so. But the problem with nuance, you know, is that not everyone's gonna fucking get it.
1: I agree. And so I don't Very know. Very few just, people will.
0: They're we, not gonna think like that. We can't. <laughs> you can't save them, force know, people whatever. to be culturally fuck literate. But, but like, fuck correct. it. But there's just some things you can't be ambiguous or nuanced about. I, agree. I think
1: I agree, and I think it's that the line for that me. might be why I think Zero Dark Thirty does a better job.
0: Yeah, ult- ultimately it does. It's it's and it's technically, like I said, a much better film. Sure. Much better.
1: Even though Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic don't necessarily agree with us, they think
0: that Hurt Locker is a better. One? I think
1: Hurt-, Hurt Locker has a better RT score, but you know those are reviewed at the time. Hmm. So.
0: Yeah, I wonder if it was like the grittiness of Hurt Locker that yes, got people. Yes. The way you know? that Hurt Locker and I mean is filmed. I mean, grittiness in quotes.
1: It. Certainly now you would recognize the way in which it's filmed, but at yeah. the time probably got some people.
0: Yeah, it was def- I'm sure it was extraordinary for its time.
1: Yeah, because yeah. it's very sandy.
0: It's like <laughs> she put a filter over it that makes it look like it's video, like home video camera footage. Yeah, I feel like you
1: feel closer to it. Yeah. Anyhow, that's that.
0: Yeah, that's that. Oh, are these films relevant right now? I think
1: that. Kids, kids could (laughs) learn something. That was a dumb question.
0: Obviously, we spent this whole episode saying whether they not whether they are or not.
1: I do think that young people need to learn more about this, especially because we teach a population that has very little understanding of these wars, their importance to the way in which society is now, and I think the Zero Dark Thirty displays a lot. Is it the best thing for them to watch? No, but if I had to choose one, it would be that over the Hurt Locker. Oh yeah,
0: if I had to choose one, it'd be that over the Hurt Locker. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I would have to watch, rewatch other stuff, watch and rewatch other stuff that came out around this time. I feel like anything that was that is filmed like in the field is. I'm gonna say no. Yeah. Like, if it's something that shows us, unless it's something that shows us like the realities of the lives of the people there, yeah. Then I'm gonna say no. So yeah, maybe there's like a, a film out. There's like some films out there that I can't recall right now that show the realities, like what it looked like for people who were in Afghanistan, and what it looked like for people in Iraq. I think that that would be a much better film to show. Agreed. Than either of these, and probably any American-made film. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Agreed. So anyway. Anyway, that's a. That's a, that's a one-hour conversation about five hours <laughs> five of hours film. Five hours of film. Yeah, we condensed it. We, condensed we did a good it. job. Yeah, we cond- Only 20% yeah, of what we did. Yeah, do, but folks.
0: somebody does need to check on Bigelow. I really, I hope she's doing all right. Yeah. I know she did one more movie after this, that Detroit movie about the race wars oh, in Detroit. okay. Yeah, I don't know. That didn't get good reviews, so. Uh,
1: well, sorry, Catherine. I don't Catherine. think she's doing well. <laughs> Have a bowl of M&Ms and just a glass of wine.
0: <laughs> don't watch these movies unless you're emotionally prepared for them.
1: Emotionally prepared for the snacking. <laughs> 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 All right, I think we got our snacks. Huh? <laughs> right. Thank you for listening. Bye.